It's time for View from Military Mind Daily View for Monday, May 4th, 2020. Views and opinions about world and national events from the minds of the men and women that are defending and have defended your freedoms for the past 244 years. Unfiltered, unedited, and definitely not PC. If you're ready, let's move out. Today's top stories in the first segment are going to be about reopening the meat plants, as President Trump has requested. Number two is going to be Biden's sexual assault case, or allegations. Yeah, that's still going on. Then number three will be Trump's executive order for reserve component army troops being ordered to the border for narcotics operations. Then our hidden story for the day comes from the squad, uh, proposing a house bill to strip away personal property rights. Segment two, we'll get into views and opinions about President Trump's town hall meeting at the Lincoln Memorial this past Sunday. If you'd like to send in your views or your comments, or you'd like to be part of the show, you can write to us at vfamm2020 at gmail.com, or you can visit us at viewfrommilitarymind.com. You can also post your comments and opinions on our Facebook and YouTube page, View From Military Mind. So... Give us a few minutes right after the break. We'll go ahead and get started with our our show for today. So I want to welcome you. Let's have a good Monday. And this is View from Military Mind, Daily Views. Hang tight. We'll be right back. You move with strength and confidence, constantly aware of your surroundings. You know you are prepared to handle anything that comes your way. You have the training and the discipline. You think street, you practice the art, and you train in the sport. You are part of Combat Base Mississippi. Under the detailed and technical mentoring of Eric Spellman, first degree black belt, and Professor Chris Hoyter, fifth degree black belt, you can master the art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and become the strong, confident person you want to be. Located at 3341 Highway 49 South in Florence, Mississippi, Eric can teach you and hone your skills in the art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Give Eric a call at 601-316-3987 and find your path to strength and confidence. Think street. Practice art. Train sport at Combat Base Mississippi. Hi, welcome back. Take a look at our first story, reopening the meat plants across the country. Um, President Donald Trump took executive action last Tuesday to order meat processing plants to stay open. Uh, The order uses the Defense Protection Act, the same thing that was used to get the uh, production of uh, ventilators and things of that nature uh, restarted and enhanced. Um, But he used that Defense Production Act to classify meat processing as critical infrastructure to try to prevent a shortage of chicken, pork, and other meat uh, on the uh, supermarket shelves. This was reported in AP News. Now, of course, there's there's some concerns on the left and the right. Uh, the left worries that reopening the plants will harm employees and uh, urges the government to require additional safety uh, precautions. And of course, the right supports the executive order in order in order to maintain the food supply. 
but highlights the same thing, the importance of protecting the employees with additional safety precautions. And the various plants that uh, have been talked to, uh, there's over 115 of these meat processing plants across the country. They are enhancing uh, their protections. Um, according to a CDC report released Friday, more than 4,900 workers at meat and poultry processing facilities have been diagnosed with the coronavirus, and to include 20 who have died. Um, the illness has occurred among 130,000 workers at 115 facilities in 19 states. Uh, and again, that's, that's according to uh, the, the CDC. Uh, some states didn't provide data, so the actual count is believed to be a little bit higher. Um, now, there's some of them out there that are not going to go to full production, like the Tyson Food Meats plants in Waterloo, Iowa. They'll resume limited production today. So they're going to go into the production. They're going to get moving. Uh, across the board, they're implementing uh, additional safety measures, um, and they're uh, providing additional PPE or protective equipment for their employees. All right, story number two has to do with Biden denying his sexual assault allegation. Um, in his first comments, uh, which was last Friday, uh, about it, and he's asked for different things to occur. Of course, now we know that the Senate Council has said that they can't provide any information. All of a sudden, the documents at this college where he has a lot of things stored up and uh, uh, archived, all of a sudden doesn't have anything. So. As far as what we're going to see come out of this, all we can do is wait and see and how the treatment is going to be and it has been a little uh, different. Um, and it says here, you know, the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee uh, said he didn't remember such a complaint being made when uh, Ms. Reed said that she had filed a complaint back in the 90s about this. Um, he said, he doesn't know anything about it, supposedly. So, um, Biden has said they should start out with the presumption they're telling the truth, and you have to look at circumstances and the facts. There are so many inconsistencies. So, he, he kind of jumps back and forth on this a little bit. He wants to hear it out. That's good. And we need to go ahead and hear it out. Um, but he's still claiming that it's not true, that it didn't happen. So, and everybody's presumed innocent in the eyes of our law until proven guilty. Of course, we have the, the left and the right back and forth about this. You know, they're comparing uh, Biden with Kavanaugh. And it's not a, it, it, it's going to be hard to, to define those comparisons. So, but uh, the University of Delaware is where he has supposedly records pertaining to Tara Reid. Uh, but those are not public. It says the material in the University of Delaware has no personal files, but it does have a lot of confidential conversations with other officials like the president, was according to Biden. So we'll see how that works out and how they come about getting the additional evidence that they, quote, need for this and see if it's what becomes of it. Uh, it can be extremely detrimental, detrimental to Biden's uh, presidential hopes. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I hope they find the truth and everything about it. So we'll see what happens. All right, the next thing is also President Trump has signed an executive order 
to um, on Thursday, he sent a letter to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, uh, informing her that he signed this executive order intended to help prevent the use or distribution of illegal narcotics by activating a select reserve of the armed forces. Uh, basically, I'll read the, the opening of this. Dear Madam Speaker, uh, effective today pursuant to Section 12304 of Title 10 United States Code, I'm authorizing the Secretary of Defense to order units and individual members of the selected reserve to active duty to augment active component forces for the active conduct, effective conduct of enhanced Department of Defense counter-narcotic operation in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, this authority is necessary to ensure that the Department of Defense can properly conduct operations required to meet our evolving security channel challenges. That's basically what he said in the, the letter to Pelosi. Uh, basically, it orders a select reserve of the armed forces to active duty in order to help with this uh, this operation. So that has happened, and uh, he's going to get this and get it rolling and going. They won't be on for more than 365 consecutive days. Any units and any individual members not assigned to a unit organized as to serve as a unit. So it's not to exceed 200 selected reserves at any one time, you know, unless he just deems it necessary to enhance that or uh, bring that up in order. So Secretary Esper will start activating those units. Um, it looks like it'll probably be an Air National Guard unit in support of it. So we'll see how that goes. So he's going to stop the, he's committed to stopping the flow of illicit drugs into the United States. So that executive order has been signed. Um, authorization allows for 200 troops down there for about a year. So we'll see how that goes. All right, our last story uh, for our quick uh, top three gifts is a fourth one, which is a little hidden story that uh, it just kind of popped up. I didn't expect it. it come across in the Western Journal. I searched around and found it reported to, through some other uh, media outlets. Come out May one. Uh, come out on Friday. Uh, the Socialist Democrats are still hard at it with trying to strip away every right the, that Americans have. And this is from the Western Journal. Um, they're not. They're not one to let a disaster like this go to waste. They're trying hard to take advantage of Americans while they're in bad situation. Basically, what it, it comes down to is that the squad, or a, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Rashada Tlaib, uh, Ayanna Presley, and um, Ilyan Omar, are all trying. They all co-sponsored a bill, along with three other uh, progressive Democrats, to this. Uh, the bill would constitute a full payment forgiveness with no accumulation of debt for renters or homeowners and no negative impact on their credit rating or rental history. Um, furthermore, a fund would be created to fully finance the purchase of private rental properties by nonprofits, public housing authorities, cooperatives, community land trusts, and states or local governments in order to increase the availability of affordable housing during this downturn. Basically, it means that this that it means private property owners would be undermined and the power of government entities would be greatly increased. 
Landlords and mortgage companies could apply for lost income to a relief fund that would be established for this purpose. Only primary residences would qualify, not investment properties or vacation homes. So it's it's crazy and it it's proposed for the fourth phase of the stimulus deals, which we know has been delayed. Um, it, it, they're, they're basically working to um, infringe upon our rights and violate the Constitution by removing uh, your property rights in exchange for the government paying your rent or mortgage for a while. Uh, if I have property, I'm not giving that property up. I'm sorry, whether it's rental property or personal property or whatever. Um, this is not an action of eminent domain. So this is what they've been waiting for, uh, but people are starting to, to wake up and they're not going to put up with it. So. Uh, I'm going to keep looking into it and see if we if it comes along. There hasn't been anything that come out on it today as to whether it's been pushed in to put into the, the stimulus bill. But uh, we'll see what happens with it. We'll keep you updated on that. So that's our, our stories for the the, uh, the quick, and, uh, quick top four, three and a hidden one. And right after the break, we'll get into segment two, and we'll talk about President Trump's town hall at the Lincoln Memorial on Sunday. So stick with us and we'll be right back. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. All right, welcome back. A little bit of uh, information and tips there from the CDC at cdc.gov. Let's do our part to try to put a stop to this coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. Uh, on Sunday, uh, we'll get into a little town hall meeting that President Trump had from in front of the Lincoln uh, Memorial. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, President Trump has predicted the coronavirus vaccine by year's end, vows the plague will pass. Um, of course, he gets in a little shot at uh, uh, the Democrats and uh, media organizations um, gives a prediction as to how many Americans may die from the COVID-19. So we'll we'll, go to, we'll, we'll give us a brief synopsis of it. Um, of course, we know of some states loosen lockdown restrictions in a bid to set the nation's battered economy on the uh, on the road to recovery. And President Trump has endorsed state-by-state approaches. Now, some of them he doesn't exactly agree with, but he's allowed those states to go ahead and, and set up their own approaches. Um, and try to get their states back to back to work again. Of course, we know there's some of those states like Michigan and California that have lost their ever-loving freaking minds. Um, do you think you have uh, uh, totalitarian governments in those two particular states that I mentioned there? Um, but I'll let the other pundits that are out there in this world handle those two states 
but I don't agree with what they're doing at the extreme measures. Um, you know, during the the town hall, President Trump has uh, uh, predicted that we'll have a coronavirus vaccine, hopefully available by December. Um, he basically told the moderators from Fox News, he says, I think we'll have a vaccine by the end of the year. He's very confident in the assessment that they'll have that vaccine much sooner rather than later. Um, of course, he was asked by one of the moderators uh, if he was concerned about the potential risks of accelerating it. And he says, no, because they're volunteers. They know what they're getting into. They want to help the process. Now, granted, there's a lot of risks in new drugs that we're not aware of what's going on with that thing. Uh, and it hasn't been tested broad spectrum. But in that light, I seriously wonder when it, it takes four and five and six and 10 years for a vaccine or a treatment to come out, what are they doing in that meantime? Um, it, I'm not sure, I'm not a medical person, but it makes me wonder because nobody will really give you an answer about what's going on during that time period. They give you bits and pieces. This is how the process works. This is what we're going to do. Okay, what's the results out of it? We never see those later on. Um, of course, we know that the timeline is dramatically ahead of previous estimates from both public and private sector experts uh, at the uh, onset of this pandemic. You know, when they, like we're talking about, it said up to 18 months, if not longer, before we can get a vaccine. Uh, fortunately, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, who's the director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said this weekend it was doable if all things fall in the right place to have that vaccine by January. So he, uh, President Trump has some support out of his advisors that this could possibly happen December, January, somewhere in that time frame, which would be outstanding for the country. We've been devastated enough and we're gonna have a little bit of a more picking our, our behinds, but at least we have, we have that light at the end of the tunnel we've been hunting for. Now, you anti-vaxxers out there, we've had a previous show about that. We're not going to get onto it at that point, but I think everybody needs to, if this is going to work and if you, it's going to stop this pandemic, that's what we need to do. All right. He also predicted that the U.S. would be self-reliant. We're going to rely on ourselves for antibiotics uh, without relying on China, which we should have never done in the first place. That was so asinine to allow that to happen in previous administrations. Uh, and, and this has been going on for a long time. I was a, a victim of, uh, of this globalization back in the 80s when our steel companies were stripped and everything was sent over there. We allowed them to do that and sent them to uh, countries where it cost less to do the production. Um, now he's saying it's going to be within two years, which I understand that because it takes a long time to get those plants rebuilt, uh, move back to this direction, uh, back into the states. You know, of course, we know the right has said it that it's crazy that the United States is relying on China for critical supplies to include uh, antibiotics. And we've seen a prime example of this. We should never have to depend on a foreign country, especially an adversarial foreign country, for critical supply items. Um, when I was reviewing for this story, I was uh, I was really curious. I started looking around, and everybody out there knows that you know this is viewed from a military mind. So I have a military background. I started looking at some of the equipment um, 
that is out there, how much of it, its subcomponents are made in China, or they're made in Mexico, or they're made in um, Korea, uh, some are made in Taiwan. These are all foreign governments, not necessarily adversarial. China, evidently, it most definitely is. But the component, the big, the main component says made in the USA, which is required by a law. Military equipment is supposed to be made by the United States in the United States, but their subcomponents are made overseas. So this is something we really hard need to address. And again, I digress here. I need to get back on on this story. Um, Even though we're you're looking at this, you know, getting the vaccine and not being reliant on foreign medications, things like that, um, President Trump did predict as many as 100,000 Americans could die from the coronavirus. You know, it it's a significant increase from his estimate of 60,000 people last month. Um, you know, he did state, he says, we're going to lose anywhere from 75, 80 to 100,000 people, calling it a terrible situation. You know, he did say that, you know, without his administration's actions, the minimum we would have lost was a million. You know, a million two, a million four, a million five. That would have been the million or the minimum. Um, not sure where he comes up with his, his figures. Uh, everything has been so jacked up coming out of these other countries, especially out of China, as, as far as the information. I'm not sure how I can come to those numbers. I'm more comfortable looking at 60 to 100,000 based on the information we currently have in our own country watching this pandemic spread. Uh, Still doesn't match what most people would uh, consider a pandemic, but still less than 2% of your nation is involved in it. But we are where we are. It's not, we can't beat that until we're over this. he, he generally backs the efforts of America's governors to manage the crisis, saying that each state will have a different approach to reopening their economies, which is true. Each each governor should know their state, barring a few out there that seem to don't that don't care uh, or have their own agendas that are going to uh, address and and fly through. But um, he went on to, you know, it's going to pass. You know, the what he's been referring to here lately as the plague. Uh, he said it will pass. He went on to assert that Democrats and media organizations who have mocked him for touting the possible benefits of uh, hydroxychloroquine, uh, the other drug for fighting coronavirus, uh, they were being motivated by politics and don't want to see a good result. Uh, some media organizations even reported that an Arizona couple consumed fish tank cleaner because they believed it contained hydroxychloroquine. If you're stupid enough to drink fish tank cleaner, um, I'm sorry, natural, or se- natural selection applies. Uh, you know, I always say through all my shows, educate yourself. Don't be stupid. Pay attention to what you're doing. But if you're dumb enough to go out there and drink fish tank cleaner because you see a part of the word in there, you're an idiot. Okay? I'm not saying you deserve to, z- to die like her husband did, but you know, there is a, p- a price to pay for stupidity. And this was just stupid, and they're blaming the president for it. And he, now how in the, in the name of God can the president make sure every American's not stupid and do something like this? Um, the woman in the case had claimed she was following Trump's advice, despite openly attacking him prior to this on on social media. Okay, 
lady, you're playing games here. You attack the president on social media because you don't like him, but now you're going to claim you're following his directions by being a dumbass and drinking fish tank cleaner, you and your husband. You know, it makes me wonder where you're at. Um, of course, it's all now you know, under investigation, so uh, unfortunately you can't uh, fix stupid. Uh, and you can't prosecute it or jail it. But uh, you can do something with it eventually. Uh, President Trump has consistently acknowledged uh, during all these briefings uh, that hydroxychloroquine might not work, but was worth trying in some patients given preliminary studies. And he's right. I mean, if it's going to work on some, let's go ahead and get it done. Um, there's not many doctors that I've spoke to in this time that disagree with that. Not everybody can take it. It's like any medication out there, uh, whether it be lisinopril or uh, meloxicam or aspirin or ibuprofen or Aleve and naproxen sodium. Not everybody can take every medication out there. So it's understandable there'd be some re responses or reactions to this medication in, in some people. So I, I'm... But he said it was worth trying in some patients given preliminary studies showing poss you know, possible promising results. New non-rigorous data has called those indicators into question, however. Uh, now, non-rigorous, that means they haven't been real hard at um, proving the data wrong or right. So it, it makes me question it. If you're not looking at it real hard, you don't want the results uh, out there. You don't want to look and see if we've got good results for it. Um, and again, you know, he took the time to, to bash him out, uh, saying instead of normal questions, level anger and hatred, and he'd look at him and say, what's your problem? So anyway, President Trump still got his battle going on with the media, uh, what he calls fake news. And, uh, in a lot of cases, this has actually happened, but I'll, I'll stay out of that. Um, and he points out that, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, uh, media outlets and other Democrats uh, had initially characterized the January travel ban on China as xenophobic before changing their, uh, their tune. Um, it, it was really strange. Um, in a recent tweet from Biden, even saying Trump had left the U.S. unprepared for a pandemic. And of course, President Trump dismissed that. Uh, you can't prepare for something you don't know about. I, I don't see Biden doing anything better. Um, they damn sure didn't do it when he was in office before. Uh, of course, President Trump blows it off and uh, dismisses it, saying he, he didn't write that particular um, comment. It was done by somebody else. Um, because it, uh, Trump's still implying about uh, uh, Biden's mental, mental, mental competency there. I'll spit it out. Okay. Um, but the whole thing boils down to that he, he's planning on going into, you know, getting, taking care of this coronavirus, getting these vaccines out there as best we can. Uh, he, he did address the World Health Organization as being a disaster, um, and they have been pretty much a, a cannon out there with uh, bad ammo from the country that they highly supported. Um, and he has been, he has suspended our payments to the World Health Organization. Uh, especially in comparison to what China gives them, 38 million a year, we're 450 million a year, and they have they've missed the missed the boat on everything. Um, but uh, 
you know, Politico reported on Sunday, the, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, citing the Homeland, uh, Department of Homeland Security that China delayed informing the WHO that the virus contagious until that country first stockpiled masks and other critical equipment, which led to shortages. Um, but, uh, you know, a research dossier uh, compiled by the so-called Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance uh, concludes China intentionally hid or destroyed evidence of the coronavirus pandemic, and that's consistent with U.S. findings about the origin of the outbreak so far. Um, it, it's everybody; they're increasingly confident the uh, virus likely had escaped from a laboratory in Wuhan, China, and uh, where there's a naturally occurring strain was being studied. So it still remains under investigation. We still don't have. Con uh, competent cooperation out of the Chinese, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, he was asked by uh, Martha McCallum on this uh, town hall that uh, if he thought he pushed too far and for, went too far in pushing for a nationwide shutdown, he, President Trump stated, he said, no, we did the right thing. Um, but he does concede that he continues to look back on it and see if anything could have been done differently. Um, talk about the losses. He has lost three friends through it. Uh, of course, it affects older people quite hard. And of course, we know that uh, President Trump is in his 70s. So he would be fully aware of the age uh, ingredient of this coronavirus. So, but uh, he, he addressed farther into the opening of the states. He, he feels that some of them aren't, aren't opening up fast enough. You know, he took a shot at California, where Governor Newsom, a Democrat, uh, ordered beaches closed again uh, here recently, uh, prompting protesters to flood into the beach, uh, just like Michigan has protesters flooding into the Capitol there because uh, Governor Whitmer decided that she was going to be totalitarian and uh, enforce more shutdowns on that state. Um, it, it, it's crazy. Uh, of course, he addressed some of your FBI uh, concerns that are coming out. Um, they do support what he had said about uh, um, the National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, uh, and openly questioned if their goal was to get him to die, to lie, so we could prosecute him or get him fired. So the town hall was very ex extensive, um, reported a lot of different things. And this short show, I can't get into a whole lot of it. I really would like to, and we're gonna save that for um, probably our hour long show coming up. But, um, you know, he, he got into the um, uh, coronavirus, of course, as we've talked about, which is our top story. The FBI investigations uh, into the uh, Steele dossier and things of that nature. Um, <coughs> of course, it, uh, all the investigations are going on now supports the, the Trump claims the FBI officials furtively worked to target some of his top former top officials. Got it. Um, so, uh, and then it gets Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and Vice President get on there with them, emphasizing payroll tax would be necessary part of any future stimulus um, to help out you know the citizens in the states they don't they're not going to bail out any of the states by 
because of financial mismanagement. So that's a good thing to hear out of that. Uh, of course, the president, uh, Vice President Pence admitted he made a mistake going to the hospital, going to Mayo Clinic and not wearing a mask. Um, and he admitted to it, so he, he apologized for it. And he has been um, wearing his mask when he goes out for business and things like that. Um, he told uh, he had several questions come out of the out of things that were sent in to him. Uh, <clears throat> one thing he did tout was his Gallup poll numbers, which showed relatively high marks for the administration's coronavirus. Uh, response. Those no, those numbers rose six points in the last two weeks. You know, according, again, that's according to Gallup. Um, new survey found that 49% of the, the nation approves of the president's job in office, while 47% disapprove. You know, personal best with Gallup for uh, President Trump. Two weeks ago, he only had 43% approval uh, of his job, according to uh, uh, according to Gallup. But uh, Trump also had a 49% approval rating in mid-March, according to Gallup, before his rating took a six-point plunge in the first half of April because of the coronavirus. People really didn't know what to expect at that point in time. Now, <coughs> now however, Fox News polls showed Biden has remained strong rival. Uh, for Trump in the early days of the campaign and has strong has surged ahead in key states. So that's still an ongoing uh, ongoing thing here. Uh, one question I had toward the end of the town hall, he was asked about how he told his family members about the crisis. And President Trump you know, sounded an optimistic note. He said, I sat down with my son, I sat down with my grandchildren, and I said a terrible thing has happened. But we're going to be strong, we're going to get out of it, and our country is going to be bigger, better, and stronger than ever. So President Trump is still remaining optimistic on this and looks for us to move forward. So I support him in what he's doing. We'll see what the, the final result is. So if you hang tight with us for a minute here, we're going to get a quick break, and we'll be right back for the, the last segment to show my views from my military mind. So hang with us for just a minute. My name is Corporal Bradley Joseph Seitz. Jerry Reed. Kate Weber. These are real veterans facing a real challenge. I have PTSD. And I have PTSD. I have PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder can happen to anyone. I was still in a war zone in my mind. But treatment can turn your life around. Treatment has really saved my life. To learn about PTSD and how treatment can help you, Call your local VA medical center or visit ptsd.va.gov. All right, welcome back. Um, brothers and sisters out there, first responders, military, um, anybody who may have PTSD, please go get help. Uh, if you have access to the VT, uh, VA, uh, check with them and get the help you can. Talk to your personal care provider. Don't let it go untreated. All right. Um, this is our closing, the view from my military mind. Quarantines and travel. What are the political and constitutional concerns? Um, some states have implemented mandatory quarantines for any visitors, while other localities have sought to turn around drivers whose travel they deem non-essential. 
Uh, however, such measures are rife with political and constitutional concerns, and some experts say it's too little, too late to really be effective. Can interstate travel bans really stop the coronavirus while essential travel continues? What about airline crews and truck drivers, for example? Now, in my viewpoint, when you start, especially in this country, and please, everybody keep in mind, we're talking about the United States. I'm not talking about the world. I could care less what happens in other countries. I've been there. I've seen what they do. I'm talking about our country. We're a constitutional republic. We have a constitution that guarantees certain rights, no matter what. And one of those is the, the pursuit of happiness. If you're happy going from, uh, say, Virginia to California, by all, mean, by all means, you have that right to make that travel. We don't have to have passports here to get in between our states or to travel into another state. It's these restrictions that they've placed in there. From what I can figure out and what I can see, and in my opinion, have no basis. Can we spread it? Yes, it most definitely can be spread. But we have our precautions and everything that everybody's taking. I've been out on the road and seen truck drivers out there when they get out of their trucks and go into uh, places around there, they're intelligent enough to wear their mask and to you know keep their hands clean. Um, I mean, my God, these men are on the road getting these supplies that we need. Uh, men and women are getting supplies out there that we need from town to town, from state to state, from border to border, from ocean to ocean. They're constantly in it, and they're being—they're protecting themselves. They're using common sense. They're using practical sense and taking care of themselves so they can get the job done and, and get those supplies that we need—the ventilators, the masks, the gowns, the boots, uh, the medications. They're getting it done. So now the political ramifications of that—we've seen what's going on with these restrictions that they're putting out there. Take a look at uh, Michigan. I mean, they're about ready to overrun that Capitol building to get at that governor that has done absolutely crazy things up there and, and been so strict. Um, California, with the with their governor's crazy movements there, and you've got now you've got law enforcement who I highly respect. I used to be part of that community. Are being told and forced to. Uh, enforce some of these crazy restrictions that are in there. Uh, of course, we know about the story of the guy that's in the water uh, paddleboarding and being arrested. Nobody around him for several hundred feet, uh, probably a couple of miles. So, politically, it's a firestorm. And it's probably, it looks like it's probably going to backfire on these politicians who are trying to put in these restrictions. State of Louisiana has travel restrictions. Um, so it's probably going to backfire. Constitutionally, somebody's going to challenge it one of these days and put them in a bind because you're, you're denying us our freedoms when we're trying to do the right thing by following your earlier guidances. Um, 
So we need to be very careful. Educate yourself. Know what you're doing. Use common sense out there. If you feel that you're being denied your rights, denied your constitutionally guaranteed rights, peacefully protest. Call them out on their ignorance and stupidity. You know, we're coming up on a major election, a presidential election coming up. There's a lot of other officers that are going to be considered during that election. Show them how you feel. Get them out of there. Okay? It doesn't matter whether you're right, left, center, whatever. If you don't like who you have in there, you have a voice. Get rid of them. Or, if you like what they're doing, keep them there. But we're probably going to see down the road a multitude, a, a large, large litigation field going on with this the, the constitutional rights that are being denied. And you're going to see politicians take a big hit, especially somebody like Newsom or Whitmire um, or de Blasio in New York City. Uh, these kind of people, they're going to take a hit. If they don't, their constituency is foolish. Like I say on every show, educate yourself, know what you're doing, be prepared to fight back if you feel you're being denied your rights. So that's a short clip of my views from my military mind. If you'd like to join us, you can write us at vfamm2020 at gmail.com or visit us at viewfrommilitarymind.com and go ahead and put in your comments and ask to come on. So until next time, be safe, be good, God bless, and God bless America. Have a good day. Then a Valkyrie Productions podcast, copyright 2020, with your host, Terry Mills. Thank you for listening to our show, and we will see you on the next one. God bless, and have a good day.